0: So everyone who's joined us, welcome to The Testing Peers. Uh, We're going to try and experiment by doing a live podcast at the Eurostar Conference. So thank you for witnessing this first. So I'll first start by introducing Chris.
1: Hello, I'm Chris. I'm a quality practice manager at a startup called Ebate. Um, I've only been here for in this company for three months so it's all very new getting to start a new quality function out from the ground it's all very exciting and also incredibly terrifying as for an interesting fact that we are are going to give you just to let you into our lives just that little bit more i am a very big eurovision song contest fan and if anybody wants to talk more eurovision i'm super up for that also testing let's talk about that too david
2: Uh, Yes. Hi. Then I'm a group lead at Cambridge Consultants. We're a sort of product development company that produce products for clients, and so work on a variety of different projects. And I'm overseeing a group of 20 testers and the test output that they they do on all these projects. My interesting fact is the fact that I run marathons basically, and uh, ran the virtual London Marathon a couple of months ago. Russell, you put
0: us all to shame there. Um, I'm actually here at the Eurostar conference helping in the test clinic. Well, I'm not doing that. I work for a company called Scott Logic. I'm a delivery manager. The last 10 years, I was a test manager. My interesting fact is I've got a puppy uh, who's in the room next door. So if you hear screams, shouts, it's either escaped or it's having an accident on the floor and running away trying to deal with it. So we'll see how that goes. Where we go next, we have a fourth member who can't join us because he's a bit unwell today. So get well soon, Simon. So I was just going to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. The mics that we're using here are provided by Saffron QA. They're a recruitment and consultancy service provider, exclusively for software testing. And if you're interested, you can go to our website and show notes of our podcast. Chris, so tonight, what are we going to be talking about?
1: So when we proposed doing a live podcast ronan who works for eurostar conferences and is obviously a great muse for all great things that we have he suggested some things to do with virtual conferences because we're here but we thought that's probably a bit too narrow so what we're going to do is concentrate a little bit on home and away differences and just chat about how that affects us as testers as leaders and as conference attendees or indeed volunteers and just we're just going to talk about it. The way we generally run this podcast is we just have a conversation about these sorts of things from the perspective of as leaders and testers. But before we get into the nitty gritty, we like to have a little bit of what we call banter. There you go. There's Dembe. Dembe. <laughs> uh, perfect timing. And doesn't like your banter. What? Well, who does like my banter? Let's be honest. Ben, Ben, our sponsor likes to. um tell people when to skip, skip this part but I'm a stubborn man <laughs> what I, what I thought might be quite an interesting thing to talk about is if you were go back to the beginning of your career and you were going to be able to look at what could it have been like to work from home when you started as a tester paint that picture for me are you meaning how we would have expected to work from home yeah how how
2: could it possibly have worked I think it's different i think depending on whether you do software or hardware testing i did do software testing i did work from home for a couple of years and converted half my garage in order to help support that and in fact the the company were based in america so i was quite remote so i think like the whole thing about remote working off-site people it's very similar to that and it's the quality of your communication however it's a slightly different thing with If you have to interact with hardware as well because you need to make sure that you can interact with that hardware either embedded things or other things and make sure that you can power off or do whatever and so quite a lot of the test group do have to go into the office occasionally to reset particular parts of the hardware and or reset other people's parts of the hardware and or take log files but you definitely need a whatever you do you need a good connection to the internet in order to do that
1: did um, you have one when you started off in your testing career
2: no probably not when i first started when i worked from home the company paid for broadband because they knew that obviously i needed to have access to the company things but you know for many years dial up when i first started it was the age of uh, uh, when we didn't even have really broadband it was all dial up and you know your internet was your best friend in those old days not where- changed much no (laughs) and you had to weigh up the time between making phone calls or choosing to go on the internet so and it would always drop at the time and take a long time to actually boot up so the speed and things has vastly improved i wouldn't want to go back to those days and try and work from home about you russell
0: my perspective sorry for the dog i was the only test where i worked the first my first job so i felt quite isolated anyway i don't think it would have made much of a difference working from home or working in the office. I think it'd be easy to have conversations, but generally i found even in sort of lockdown and the current situation, we can actually have a lot of good conversations. We can quickly call someone with Zoom or Teams or all the other things. So I have missed that element. I missed the casual conversation, not the direct, oh, I want to speak to someone about how we order PPIs and the backlog or something. So I don't think it would have made a vast difference to me at that particular time chris
1: see I, I was a games tester and it's quite easy to take a console home and play right but the problems that we had were more along the lines that we were definitely not trusted so we weren't allowed to have internet access we weren't allowed to talk to the developers we were in a different building we, we couldn't talk to them so so the fact that we might even have been able to take What data sensitive product home and test it would have been quite difficult for the company at that point. It would have been a mindset shift that I know they've addressed to these days because they have been working from home now. But within that context, it would have been both really easy because the job's easy enough to do, but incredibly difficult because we didn't have VPNs. We didn't have the um, right access. We certainly didn't have any video conferencing apps. Um, You couldn't even do a group call on a phone really very easily. I had a Nokia. 6210 or something like that in those days it was incredibly difficult to get communication when you were in person in a room full of 125 testers i would have enjoyed the quiet probably but i also probably would have slept a lot more which is you know 16 hour shifts as we did sometimes might not have been the greatest of uh, things so shifting on to, to real life we're obviously all working from home now and we're all getting to enjoy everyone's backgrounds sat behind them and we've got the tools for the most part i know david you're talking about hardware being a bit more difficult to work with it's a lot more difficult to work with i suppose especially sort of getting firmer and things onto them what do you think you miss the most from being in an office first we'll move on to conference spaces later so try and just keep, keep on the workflow or miss from being in the office or miss yeah yeah be, being in the office the old way that's never going to happen again
2: <laughs> so i would say the interactions the number of interactions you underestimate the number of times in an office you just pass people by you say hello and just that human interaction the, the, the like i said just seeing people seeing and smiling and just seeing the faces the number of people i've had conference calls with and, and half you know the first few minutes is finding out about them because you haven't seen them for six months or something and it's a very odd way and i think also it's those moments that you've capture people at the coffee shop or in the uh lunch and having lunch with them and being able to walk at lunchtime. and it isn't always the same faces that's certainly what i miss and also the ability to to just have free access to the photocopier or other resources that you expect and and like monitors and, and, you know, especially the first few times headphones and not having issues with technology because you, you can actually physically see someone.
0: Mm. Yeah. We haven't had any technology issues, have we? (laughs) (laughs) I guess I, I agree with everything David said. It's that casual catching into people, going to coffee, bumping into them, asking how the project's going. There's no activity that now makes that natural. Now it's a choice. I have to ping someone, I have to go out my way. And so there's a lot less of it happening. I joined my company back in April. So I haven't actually been to our office yet. So I don't know what I miss about the office. Like I do miss the atmosphere of being part of a team, a group where I am now. You are very focused on the project and the team that are around that project. So you miss less of that communication to the wider business, seeing what's going on, who's coming into the office. Um, how people are feeling you can't see the body language unless you again call them so you miss a lot of that human interaction i'm gonna guess chris you miss hugs
1: i miss (laughs) hugs a lot actually there was i think maybe it was like april or may time when we still thought that we were going to have at least some of the summer back because obviously a pandemic doesn't last very long i remember somebody tweeted out saying what's the first thing you'll do when this is all over and i just said i'm going to go on a hugging spree you know i I know I haven't had a hug from a single person I don't live with since March the 13th, and so you know that's that's a long time for someone who gets a lot. It's a lot of that nonverbal communication that i I don't see like you like you've already spoken about and even if, even when you see somebody's face on a video call, it, it just isn't the same. I have to say it's those parts that i'm I'm struggling with most. I too have started the job during this pandemic, so I have seen my office. it's small but I I don't need to work from there. Getting to know people in a sort of a remote first company is a lot easier than having worked in an office for an extended period of time and then having to come back in or the opposite of coming in, going out sort of dealing with that. And I think that, that part I miss from the people side of things, but I also miss being able to, Bring someone over to a physical whiteboard. Start working on those sorts of things without anyone having to like log, o- log in or have struggles with sharing the screen. Getting some people into the same room. It's amazing how you can resolve situations by getting people to talk and sometimes just dragging the right people into the right room is the best way to get it sorted. And getting people on a call, it's not the same thing. People aren't as engaged. Right. I've got another monitor over here. Maybe it's got a Twitter feed that I'm finding hilarious on at the moment. its It's not the same thing. I think you can lose that respect you can lose that engagement and there are things that we may miss as leaders in our teams people might be struggling people are struggling and i it's Mm -hmm. it's a tough it's a tough situation to do because also asking for help remotely feels like a really different thing to having a quiet word with somebody i think that
2: i think you touched on something there especially when you're leading teams is that you can't see when people are becoming disengaged, because we're also isolated. We're all working on our own. And so therefore you can't, both the individual feels that they're isolated and doesn't always reach out. And as a manager, you, you feel like you're imposing yourself on them if you request a meeting. And so that might feel a bit confrontational sometimes. So it's a very fine line as to to checking up on your group, but also not interfering with with what they're actually doing and those subtleties of spotting changes in behavior are non-existent because you're that much removed you can't you can't do that
0: yeah makes sense as it becomes more normal hopefully the techniques we use to deal with it become more normal so like i would often go for coffee with people so pinging someone and saying do you want to go for coffee via instant messaging it's always a bit dodgy in my head what do they want why do they want um obviously virtually it makes it worse you know office environment it's much easier to go up to someone and say free for 10 minutes want to catch up on x y and z you can see the body language how i could find a replacement for that it's gonna be interesting for me at the moment if i ping someone it doesn't have the same ring
1: do you think that would be different if you had already got that sort of established relationship with them though
0: i still think it's hard because you can't see sort of the nature of the request unless you give a lot more contact in the message so I think it will be a challenge. I think as you know people and they see it's your culture, you do that often, those barriers will get reduced. And that's what I mean about it, get, getting used to where we are. People get used to the situation. They'll know that there is no other approach. Yeah. If someone messaged me and said, you fancy a brew over Zoom? They're not gonna panic and think they're getting the sack. What about conferences and their remoteness? How are we finding them?
1: it's a tough one isn't it I mean I was asked this question by a friend of mine today they said hey how is Eurostar is it all of the fun and I said to them if Eurostar wasn't happening that would be a million times worse and Eurostar happening is great there's wonderful people here I am still learning things I am still networking with people but if, we, if we're saying like Eurostar week I'm at 100 I feel like this week I'm maybe at 10 or 15 I just can't vamp myself up. I've not got that same energy. I haven't got that same free coffee. I've done 2,100 steps today rather than the 20,000. When I sign off, I go back to my family. I love my family. Don't get me wrong. But I love to be in that bubble for two or three days when it's just like everything is testing equality. These are my people. I found the people that I relate to. I, I learn from some of my best friends I've I've met in conferences. And this is something that is just something that i've missed greatly and i've attended more conferences this year than any year previously but it's just not the same and while i 100 percent understand the accessibility argument for virtual conferences and i can fully support that in me in my heart i'm missing the people i don't get that same magic if i'm in a talk Mm. I find it less easy than if I was physically there. Just like remote learning for me, I find a lot harder than in a classroom. Same sorts of things. And so yeah. I'm filled with joy that this is happening, but there's just that little, little bit behind me that's just like, but we could have been in Antwerp Zoo right now. <laughs> yeah. I think you're
2: right. I think that certainly virtual conferences have filled a void and allowed us to get together and discuss things and do whatever, but there is, still the context of we are still in our rooms we are still at home and exactly as you say you pass out the door it's the same kitchen where you make your coffee it's the same people in your house you don't have that buzz that event feeling you know you are going somewhere special it, there is a special buzz about it and it's, it's as much the sort of noise that you know in the in the foyer before you actually enter it it's a bit like going to the theater or something like that you know it's that expectation of what are we going to hear that it's a shared thing that that we have only with those people that are there. Whereas virtually you are all remote, you are all separated and in your own little chasm, which we have been in for probably six, eight months. And there isn't a context. We are just here the same, looking at the same screen as we have done through our work probably. And we don't have that same buzz. So absolutely, I I congratulate people for for doing it. And I think it's very valid. But it, I don't think it has quite the same impact because we don't have the same sort of buy-in ourselves of it being an event as, as attendees.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting to see, I would love to know the stats about dropouts, how many people actually attend sessions, don't attend sessions uh, in person versus a digital conference. You know, what the numbers are like, how it adapts. Um, because myself, I've signed up to other virtual conferences and I've gone to one out of 10 things. Not because I didn't want to go to 10, but I found it very hard to switch from whatever I was doing to go back to the conference. I couldn't invest my time. And it is interesting to see how much emphasis we put on our own time at conferences. It's harder definitely to do Zoom and video calls. I think we've mentioned it. It's been mentioned at this conference. I think the sessions have been reduced in time. Try and mitigate some of that. It's still hard. It's not the same experience. I'm sat here on my work computer. So guess what? Email goes... My attention gets dragged towards it and shouldn't. And I can make a choice. I can use a different laptop to do this sort of stuff. But I've chose to be slightly more attached. It's like the people with phones, with emails. And you often turn them off at conferences. But it's harder when you're in the same space that you've been working for the last six months. And you've got to find that sort of compromise. And I think Chris mentioned this. It's not the same, but it's still good. Could be better. Could be worse. But I'd rather go to these events and meet some people then go to no events meet no one. It's
1: about you have to hope that the tools that we're using are just going to get better over time as well. Yeah. Because we've Powerful. had connectivity issues. These things should get better, shouldn't they? As these become more normal.
0: Supply should help. We want more online conferences. We need more tools for them. People will start building them because people will start buying them.
1: Yes.
2: And also they will have enhancements in them to allow more things. But having said that, some of the issues may well be connectivity issues with the people that are speaking and connecting and things like that. And that is very difficult to, because that's all in the hands of the suppliers at the end of the day.
0: You can mitigate that to a degree by pre-recording things. Yes, which some conferences have. I'd rather have a live thing with technical difficulties than a pre-recorded personally, because it feels more like you can adapt to the situation. But there's an element that says, you can't see the room. How do you adapt? What do you adapt to? Chat? That depends
1: again on the tool you're using though, because... I've, I've spoken to people and I've, I've even done some, some sessions at remote meetups. And if I'm just talking into what feels like an echo chamber and getting no feedback, then I will probably not be able to give as much as had I been getting that feedback live. So when I've been doing sessions, they've been mostly been over Zoom or Crowdcast or something. I've asked people, if they will, to feedback to me directly in the chat or to turn their video on, even so I can see faces. I'll even sometimes ask people to talk to me because I just, I know I talk a lot, but that's because silence kills me. If I don't get any feedback, no faces, no nothing. I don't think I'm being as genuinely normal and giving as much of me in that talk as I could be. And so I feel for the speakers in these situations because we need to have a a recorded backup regardless, because otherwise there's going to be a void where nothing's taken place. This is something we're going to have to work on, we (laughs) technology people. Yeah.
2: But I think also we as individuals will improve. We will get used much better, you know, if you consider what I was like when we first had to use Zoom meetings in, in a business scenario, I was very much stilted. And when we first did these podcasts, we were finding our feet and we weren't sure about how we were actually doing it. Whereas actually now we're m- much more used to talking in video. And that definitely videos certainly improve things because you can actually see people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where you think improvements could be made to conferences, where you try and get that interaction with people. And I know that there are bandwidth issues and lots of other things, but getting that input. And I think chat is brilliant. And I thank you all for your comments that you're coming up with. Um, I'm reading them as we go through. But again, like we were saying, we can get distracted. I think Russell mentioned when we're in a conference room, we don't get our laptops out. You know, we may surreptitiously check a few emails, but we would wait until we were in a break before we actually took a call or whatever. Whereas when we're at home, if you're not that engaged in a talk, you can very quickly go mute. You can switch your video off if you are in a video and go out the room and you can come back and no one's any more the wiser. That can be a problem, I think, because it loses that engagement with everyone.
0: It links to social norms. We've adapted them now because we're working from home. I think on the chat, people being distracted and doing things in meetings at work is common now. It's accepted. If you're staring over here and talking, it has got more acceptable. Whether it should have or shouldn't have is another question, but it's more common. I certainly haven't called anyone out on it in the last six, 12 months. that then habit forms and we all do it at conferences and any other opportunities. It's like how we all watch our phones constantly. Our phones are pretty much glued to us these days and it becomes socially normal, which has driven us all to kind of accept this behavior. You know, we need a reset button to a degree. It's interesting to see though, how those social norms evolve. Maybe we need to look into how we can adapt them to help us through a more digital online remote world. Maybe we need to start setting some rules that if you're coming to these conferences, please don't have your working email on, that sort of thing. I can't remember where it is, but in some cases, basically put your phone, If you've come to the dinner table, put your phone in this bucket, you're not allowed to touch it while we eat dinner. You're almost starting to get to the point where we do, do that for conferences remotely.
2: That's always very difficult to police though. You can't easily police them.
1: No, it's, it's almost like a, a team, a team built charter or sort of thing would be a really cool yeah. way to say, like, I'm attending this and I'm just going to, it's not binding, but I'm going to sort of, would like you to? this is what I'm going to do. And I've had, I've had these conversations about the dinner table and stuff with, with my children, because I'm a millennial. I have a phone. I look at it all the damn time. And it's quite hard to not look at my phone when I'm with my kids. And how awful is that? Hmm. I would judge me if I saw me across the room doing that. It's a, it's a terrible thing, and they're 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 writing children's books these days where there's a parent who's just on their phone the whole time, and the kid's just like, "Hey, hey, look at me, we 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 are here. Let's interact. Let's have fun." And actually, do you know what? I I try and leave my phone in a different room now just to try and do those things. It's hard, isn't it? Because you know we want that instant gratification. We want those those likes on Facebook and things. <laughs> Facebook pokes. Someone posted a thing on online the other day that said. The likes on, on Facebook posts, tweets, Instagram and stuff is kind of the new gratification that we seek. And actually, the, the good feelings that it gives is is almost like having a friend now. It's kind of replaced that. We've got a comment here from someone that's just said that they're concerned that people will find it too more comfortable to, to interact online rather than in person. I think that's a real. It's, it's a very um. Demo, it's very demolition man type thing, isn't it? But also, I think that the youth of today are very much in that mindset. Anyway, I
2: think it's it's catching up to people sort of our age now because we are so used to to doing it. And in fact, one thing about going back into potentially the office is that they. They're sort of thinking about uh, if one person is remote in a meeting, then everyone's remote. So it's one remote, all remote, which is a very odd thing. You know, so if you've got five people in the office and one person out, all six people are going to be dialing in in order to to get the call. You're confirming that that actually we're recognising that someone's remote, which to a certain extent is better because I, I have been in the past, you know, in the, in the good old days, there was one person remote and they would be lost. You know, everyone in the room would be having their banter and having a laugh and the other person you're so disengaged because you're not there. You don't get the jokes. You don't get those subtleties. So I can completely understand that, but it doesn't help that it sort of exacerbates that problem. It's a good
0: point though. I think, you know, we talked about sort of polar view, didn't we? Remote or not remote. And this is a halfway house. Which is part remote, and I'm not sure. Certainly, at the conference level, that would work that well. Some people very much in the distance, listening to people ask questions, Mm. shouting them up to the front. It would be a different experience entirely.
2: And actually, that's a good point. Is the questioning thing, and it goes back to what we've discussed in other things. You know, if you're in the room and you not heckle, but if you're in the room, then naturally you're in the eye line. So therefore, there will be a. Presidents on the people in the room and not necessarily the people online even though they might have very good points and very good questions and you need to make that distinction but on the other hand they're always usually second best because they're not actually present in the actual room so this
1: is the whole FOMO thing we we had discussions about communication tools and um, that we were going to adopt communication policies within the workplace and there was one person that carried with them some baggage from an old workplace where they used slack And people had it on their phones and people were making architectural decisions. They were making work-based decisions based on Slack. Um, and they said, when we were talking about tools, we cannot use Slack simply because that was the tool that was used and they didn't want to be left out of those sorts of things going forwards. And we need to consider those things when we're going forwards, because we don't want to be explicitly exclusive but we still need a tool that's going to enable asynchronous communication and working because we have to be flexible in a remote working world. I'll get off my pedestal now.
0: You need it. You're quite (laughs) short.
1: Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. Do you know, there's a fun fun fact for everyone here. David and Russell have actually never met each other. And Simon, our fourth member has also never met David or Russell. I am the only person that's met everybody here. You are the glue. I mean, I feel like I'm some sort of, you know, Cupid. (laughs) <laughs> Stupid for testing leaders. It's it's a strange place. To be.
2: Well, also we've described this as a therapy session as well for us at times, haven't we? Well, the
1: testing peers was formed because in our workplaces we didn't have people that we could be accountable to. We didn't have people that we could maybe rant to that could understand our domain and we could share with properly. And I was sat in my workplace going, I need to talk to people. I don't have that that group, and so I reached out to a bunch of people that i had met in conferences or meetups or worked with before eventually three of them carried on talking to me quite a lot and simon really wanted us to do a podcast and that's kind of how we're, where we came from and that was because we were stuck and we needed that outlet and support together and that's all that's worked in a remote world
0: david do you have regrets about that <laughs> <Or> just me <laughs> no,
1: not not yet no
0: maybe <laughs> the dad jokes <laughs>
1: Thank you for joining us in this podcast recording. It's been a lot of fun. We quite like doing the, these end-to-end pods. They're just a little bit easier for flow. And if you do like what we do, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. We're Testing Peers on there. We have a Patreon if you really like us. Patreon.com/slash testingpeers. All of our stuff is available on testingpeers.com and um, we've managed to get the branding right at least. Thank you, Russell. Really, we're just, we're just on a journey here. We're just talking. We want to be able to support each other and talk about things. And, and if you find it helpful, if you can suggest alternatives or different approaches, if you think we've missed something out, we had feedback once that we weren't introducing each other's names. So we're trying to make sure we do those things. We want to get better. We do retrospectives every few episodes to try and improve our processes and stuff we we are trying to get better and we really appreciate you listening and participating thank you very much
0: for now it's goodbye from the testing peers goodbye, goodbye.